And now, The Fine Print with attorney Jen Rout. Welcome to The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. I am Attorney Jen Rout, and with me as always is my simple-minded sidekick, Ben Needenthal. Hey, thank... Wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> I say it's a good day, and today we especially have a good day because we have my business partner, Chris Alley, here with us. Yay! Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, Chris. Glad to be here today. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, so today, I, I so what does this mean? We're we're discussing today. Oh well, see, I, I do a lot of things in law practice, but there are some things I just don't <laughs> do. Chris does. So we're going to talk about divorce and dissolution, which. I don't want to deal with, but he does. He's patient. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, it's at least we're not talking about heroin addiction that, again. So. Yeah. <laughs> no heroin addiction. Well, maybe we will hit heroin addiction a little bit. Um, my stuff is a lot more fun than Jen's. Jen's is basically shuffling paperwork and, and dealing with things uh, with death and stuff like that. I deal with, you know, why they're still alive and fighting with each other. Gotcha. All right. Very much alive at that point. Yeah. yeah so. They're very much alive. Yes. Um, gotcha. Normally very verbal and maybe a little... Um, I'm overly emotional. No, no. In divorce, come on. Right. So, so I imagine you've seen your fair share of ugliness. Yes. <laughs> One word answer. Yes. Um, yeah. The good thing is, I, I'm a little bit unique from the most attorneys that deal with this type stuff. Uh, I have a prior military, prior law enforcement background. So, you know, military, not so much ap applicable to this, but the law enforcement was because you got to see a lot of domestic violence type issues, a lot of drug abuse issues, uh, neglect dependent kid issues. So you'd solve the gamut of the worst yeah. situations that can happen in society with families. Yeah. Um, lucky for me, most of my cases don't involve those type things. It's typically a uh, husband and wife that just don't click anymore or that there's some rudimentary problem with the relationship that they can't fix. Okay. All right. So, you know, we were talking about how to go forward with today. And I think the the basic first thing to get out of the way is there's two different ways to approach these situations. You can go the contested route where you're fighting over everything, or you can actually sit down like the adults that you're supposed to be and kind of negotiate things out and figure out who's going to do what, who's going to get what, and how are we going to handle the kids if there's kids in, in the picture as well. Right. Um, that's the easiest, most economical, and, and the healthiest for everybody. So that's a dissolution where everyone agrees, and it's a divorce. That's where Correct. everyone's fighting, right? Right, yeah. So a contested, obviously, it's, it's just a straight-up black-and-white divorce. Um, if the parties are able to work out an agreement, then we're looking at an uncontested divorce uh, or a dissolution. They're kind of the same. Depends on what state you're in. In Ohio, there's both animals. Dissolution is an official title um, that is picked if both people are on board and can do a separation agreement and do the appropriate agreements that are necessary to resolve the case. Okay. Those can be wrapped up in Ohio within six to seven weeks. Okay. Uh, whereas the average divorce, the Supreme Court gives a divorce with no children a year oh my God. to be resolved. <laughs> and if they have kids, it gives them 18 months to resolve those. Oh, my God. Uh, so these things can drag out for a long time. Yeah. And I think you had one that has been 
she's not our client anymore, but you had one that had been a divorce pending for years. It originally started in 2003. <laughs> it's oh 2016, God. folks, oh and it's still God. not done. And, and that, that particular case is an instance where both people hate each other so bad that they can't agree on anything. They're not willing to accept anybody's word for things. You you can lay the picture out in black and white. This is what's going to happen if we go to trial. This is what the situation is. This is your assets, this is your debts. This is how the, the court's going to treat it. They aren't listening to anybody's attorneys. And both parties on that particular case have been through numerous attorneys. Hmm. Um, and it's just, it's something that can happen. And it's, it's horrible. Why put yeah. yourself through that? You need to listen to the people you, you hire to handle those things. Right. Would you get those people? Uh, what would you say is the the ratio to disillusionments to like divorces? I would almost. I'm going to say. Let me back up from your question. Say there's only about two percent of the cases that go to trial. Okay. Uh, what you typically end up with is people who can't from the start deal with each other mm -hmm. on a rational basis. They're too emotional, or some other aspect is just interfering with their ability to to discuss things properly with the other side. If they can't do that, then they file a divorce. They start the divorce process. Eventually, in the divorce process, they end up with a settlement that looks a lot like it would if they would have sat down at the table together at the beginning. Gotcha. Um, but they've spent a lot more money yeah. fighting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you end up uh, probably, I'm going to say, a one-to-one -one ratio of people who actually are able to sit down and hmm. discuss things and resolve things and people who can't. Okay. Uh, that's my guess. That's my experience. Okay. Because right. for every one that I have that you're fighting every day uh, trying to get the case resolved in a divorce situation, you always have one that walks in the door and says, hey, we need to handle this and get this resolved and take care of it. Hmm. That sounds exhausting. i got to be honest, especially like the really nasty ones. It's got to be exhausting. You have to look at it as black and white as possible when you're involved in it yeah. from an attorney standpoint. Yeah. And my big thing with when I've often said to Jen that one of the things I need to do is go back to school and get a psychology degree mm. so we can build our insurance for the counseling. Huh. I spend <laughs> I spend as much time counseling my clients and trying to get them to calm down and and meet reality head on. Yeah. Um, than I do with handling the law stuff. Yeah. And it's just part of the that particular thing. And that's why she's not too fond of it, because there, there's it's it's a whole lot of baggage that goes with it. Sure. Sure, and, and you enjoy doing it? Most of the time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like any job, you know. There, there's a lot of times where you get the opportunity to take somebody in their their one of their biggest crises in their lives, yeah, and walk them through the process, and they end up out the other side in a better position, or at least in a position where they're they're going to be okay. Yeah. And I like being able to do that to yeah. walk those people through those situations and get them to the other side of things, and know that they're going to be all right moving forward. Um, people like normal, I guess their normalcy, uh, their situation that they're in, they like that consistency in life. And yeah. when you go through these divorce or, or dissolutions, not, not so much because people have already kind of dealt with it emotionally, but the divorce situations when they're fighting constantly, part of that strife is them trying to find the new normal and to figure out what it's going to look like. And a lot of times people just aren't able to do that and it takes them months to get to the point where they accept that things are going to change and at some point this is what's going to look like hmm. and when you have kids involved it makes it even more difficult yeah i can imagine there's a lot more emotions a lot more factors involved yeah so wow. okay 
let's let's talk about the process a little bit. Um, again, I don't do this, but <laughs> I know there's certain paperwork you need at the beginning, one way or the other. W what's some of that stuff, and what should people be aware of if they're thinking about ditching their spouse? Um, <laughs> Eloquently put. <laughs> can't think of another way to say it, you know, kindly. Um, Cutting off the old ball and chain. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gotta so, have the torch to do that. Um. Right. So you you know this is coming. You're holding off. Uh, I don't know. I, I notice we see a lot of um, we're holding off till after the holidays, till after a certain point, um, and then we'll deal with this. So what are some of those things that people could do kind of in preparation and what should they know about the process as far as what they need to gather and get ready to go. Gotcha. Um, well, first they need to realize that the court doesn't care if Billy cheated on Molly. Uh, they, they really don't care about those type factors that typically break up marriages. Mm. The court deals with the black and white of the situation. What's the assets in the marriage? What's the debts in the marriage? What's the situation with the kids? Right. Outside of that, they don't care how you got to them. They don't care how you ended up in front of a judge looking at a divorce. They just want to resolve the divorce and move on. They're, the courts are somewhat jaded in that aspect. Mm. Um, the only time it would count is if you live in a state where there's not an, an uncontested or a no-fault divorce, which most states now have a no-fault divorce thing, where you can walk in there for any reason and say, I want a divorce, and they're going to give it to you one way or the other. Now, I, I, real quick, when you say they're jaded, I mean, I, obviously... I mean, what, they, what, they see so much of it, yeah. they just really could care less if there's been a, an affair or a mishandling of something or... And all of that stuff is irrelevant, really. It, I mean, Yeah, when it comes down to, to the nuts and bolts of things, it, yeah. it is irrelevant. Okay, we get that you all don't work together anymore and you all want to be separated. Let's get this done is basically what the courts look at it. Yeah. Right. And they don't care. It, I, I find, and this is why I don't do this work a lot, is that everybody wants to tell their story. And while it may be a very compelling story of... I was working and supporting the family and I was doing all of this stuff. She was a stay-at-home stay wife who she was taking my money to fund her trips to New Orleans where she was cheating on me. And I found out through a key tracker program on her computer. Sounds very specific, Jen. <laughs> not a client. Um, not mine either. But, I mean, they want to tell that story. Yeah. But at the end of the day... It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Right. And I find that that's part of the process of how they process all these emotions is they have to tell you their story. Sure. A lot. Back to the counseling degree. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's where that comes in handy. Um, and that's that's another option that uh, I often think of not doing myself. Um, but back, <laughs> back to the specifics as far as what these people need to do. If they're looking at, at filing for divorce... Um, people try to be strategic in timing. Obviously, you don't want to hand divorce papers over to your spouse with the holidays coming up because it's right. going to stir even more emotions and make the sure. situation more yeah. uh, antagonistic with each other. Um, you do need to get paperwork in order because that's one thing you do need to show is what your assets are, what your liabilities are, um, you know, what, what debts do you have between you all. Is there any separate property? 
did you inherit $100,000 from your parents that you've kept in a separate account? That's important to show because it's naturally assumed that everything is marital assets. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that. So, you know, you get married and everything after the marriage is kind of a product of the marriage. Is that right? Yes. Whether you make $100,000 and your spouse makes twenty, it all goes into the same pot. Okay, but what about the stuff you had before marriage or inheritance or your company or those kind of things? Everything you bring into the marriage technically is separate until you commingle it or until you mix it with uh, your spouse's stuff. So don't put everything in the same pot if you plan on preserving it as your own when you come out the other side. Of course, you know... A lot of people don't plan that. They don't get married with the thought that I'm going to get divorced in six years or three months or whatever it is. So they they don't think about these things. Right. Uh, that's where you know prenups uh, have served a purpose and also gotten a bad rap. Um, you need to think about these things. Marriages are more than just you know they're emotionally driven a lot of times, and people need to stop, slow down for a second. And think about the rational impact of a marriage. Mm. Um, I'm all for marriage, but do it in an educated manner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot Jesus. of people just fly into them, don't think twice. They might have a big company, they might have a small company, whatever it is. Once they get married and they start doing things with their spouse that involves company assets or those things, then whatever appreciation happens during that marriage, they're they're with the business, they're subject to division. Uh, and giving part of that to their spouse. Hmm. Uh, there's ways of protecting those things through prenuptial agreements, uh, or in Ohio and nuptial agreements, because right. they're, they're weird with their termage, or <laughs> verbiage. Termage. I just created a new word. Sounds pretty authentic to me. We're going to so. create new words while we're here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's, there's certain ways to go about things when you're going into these things to do it smarter and to do it cleaner. So if something happens with the marriage you can get out of it easier and it be still relatively fair, but the stuff you come into it with be protected. Yeah. Um, inherited funds. I had a case uh, two years ago where the wife inherited about a quarter million dollars from her parents. Um, she put it in the family account. She put it in the joint account and they spent it on everything coming and going. And then when she decided to get a divorce because she went back to her high school boyfriend, uh, she wanted her money back sorry can't do that yeah (laughs) you stuck it in there you used it for the benefit of the family you can't say i should get my two hundred fifty thousand dollars back no yeah and the court plainly told her no it's not going to happen yeah so those those things need to be thought through and then if you don't know the answer then come see an attorney go see an attorney come see one of us that know what in the world to do with these things yeah and a lot of people don't yeah what about taking money out, you know, you're you're planning to drop this bomb on your spouse. Maybe they see it coming, maybe they don't. I often get questions, well, should I set some money aside in a separate account? And can I take money out of the joint account? And what can I do to protect myself financially? You can take money before the, the case is filed, before there's a restraining order, you can do whatever you want, quite frankly. Is it going to look good in front of a judge if you raided every bank account you and your spouse have and empty it all and take off with it? No. <laughs> um, 
and you're going to end up paying attorney's fees for your spouse and everything else because you ended up taking all the cash that was available. Right. So legitimately, uh, if you're wanting to protect yourself and have something to live on, I have told my clients, if there's an issue with what's going to happen to you once this gets filed, then put some money aside or make arrangements with family members to have some type of resources um, so that you have the cash to fall back on. Can you take money out of a joint account? Yeah. Do you want to drain it dry? No. If there's $3,000 sitting in there, at the most, I would say take half of it. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you do that, your spouse is going to say, well, what happened to the checking account balance? Well, honey, I thought we were going to get divorced next month, so I thought I'd take half of it. <laughs> um, it never happens that way. but And you end up with situations where the account gets drained by one side or the other, and then it's a fight to either preserve your client's position that took the money, or if you're on the other side of that, uh, it's a fight to have that restored and your client have access to it so they can pay their bills in the house or wherever they end up at. Uh, so that's when divorces typically start getting ugly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's more so, you see a lot of it more over money than it is the kids. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many cases the kid side or the, the parenting side of the equation gets resolved very quickly, but the money side is a train wreck. So. I, it, there's something kind of, I don't know, nice about that notion, I suppose. You know, where it's like they, they definitely want to act in the kid's best interest, but when it comes to the money, that's I, I, I can understand that to a degree. What else do you need to kind of gather and figure out? What about retirement? I mean, yeah, retirement accounts... I would assume our big thing. Retirement accounts, that could be a four-hour seminar all by itself. <laughs> here's, here's basic. Most states have uh, set up certain disclosures that have to be made when you file for a divorce. And that includes um, documentation and at least an affidavit where you're swearing that this is what exists as far as your income, your expenses, what property you own, um, what debts uh, that you have, um, and then as well as what health insurance, if you have kids, uh, where the child's been living, what the, what the kid's situation is, uh, if they've been living with grandma and grandpa versus you and your spouse, whatever weird circumstance, they always want all those things disclosed with the children. And then they want to know what health insurance coverage the family or the kids have. Um, those are the basics that you run into. Now, having said that, those are some of the most important documents you put together. And you need to find the basics, uh, the tax returns, the bills, the last six month statements of your credit cards in case you know somebody's accusing you of cheating or in case you know your spouse was cheating. Uh, that take now I said earlier, we change gears a minute. Well, I said there's no fault divorce statutes. That doesn't mean that if Billy has been spending ten grand over the last six months on that new new squeeze he's got on the side, that you can't go after him for spending that money. Okay. Because that's a, that's a financial misconduct on his part would okay. be basically what that is. Uh, that's where it does come into play is when you have those extramarital things going on or those bad habits that like gambling or something like that where it creates uh, a stress on the marriage that you can actually do something with. Uh, the court doesn't care typically that that's going on, but if it financially impacts or some has some other drastic impact on the family, uh, the court does care at that point. Okay. So once you're getting that paperwork together, if you have uh, an argument similar to that, you're going to have to prove it at some point or be able to know where to point your attorney to look at. We can subpoena records. 
we can ask the other side for discovery to produce certain records. We need to be able to find those documents to prove those arguments that you come in the office and say, hey, this is going on, this is what we have to prove, and then we can kind of narrow it down to what documents we need uh, to prove that. But all that stuff's the paperwork that you're going to have to have when you go in uh, and, and you're planning to, to do a divorce or, well, specifically a divorce because dissolutions are usually less combative. Um, but, I mean, in that case, like, if you know your spouse is lying on her resume, making a lot of money, um, but kind of underhandedly, but you can't prove it, you may know that. It may be a beautiful story that would be very compelling but if you can't find the documentation that she secretly has five hundred thousand dollars in account in zimbabwe it does not matter so zimbabwean bank accounts are really high interest yeah yes <laughs> but you know that account in the caymans where russia sure. wherever choose a country yeah something that we can't get easy access to yeah. what are you going to do about it yeah. i mean you can allege and you can subpoena and you can try to do all these things, but if you can't prove it, it basically doesn't exist. Hmm. And that's just a general litigation principle. Right. If someone's embezzling from your company and you're going to sue them for civil theft, you have to have the evidence to prove that. Same thing with your spouse. So if you know your spouse is cheating, that they're spending $5,000 a month on hookers, find the paper trail ahead of time if you can. If not, it can be found out, but it's going to be in this what we call discovery, which is a long, tedious, expensive process because it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of hurry up and wait. And that's true in any litigation matter. Divorce is considered litigation. It's just domestic litigation. So... I would caution people that if you know your spouse has a gambling problem, a drinking problem, um, anything where they are doing financial misconduct that hurts the business of the marriage mm. and is shortchanging the family, well, okay, you know that. You're going to go file for divorce. Right now you have access to things. Gather that up. Right. That, that's just, you know... Smart planning. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned gambling. Um, have you seen a rise in those since Ohio just got a, uh, a casino a couple of years ago? And four operation. casinos. How long? Yeah. Four casinos. Oh, that's right. Four casinos. And how yeah. long has it been? It's been two years? Something like that? Three years? Three or four. Yeah, I think yeah. it's three or four. Yeah. Have you seen an, in, uh, an increase? I haven't, I haven't had one case that was based off of a gambling, gambling. issue. That's interesting because I, it. I hear ads on the radio all the time. If you've got a gambling problem, then, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know. I'm just yeah, curious. I, I haven't seen an issue with those at all. Uh, the biggest issues, the, the most chronic issues that I see other than the normal, which is Billy cheated on Molly, mm. um, would be drug issues. Okay. Uh, for some reason, that's uh, heroin. <laughs> yeah. Not going to go deep <laughs> in heroin today. Um, <laughs> here but, we are in the heroin thing again. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Love that drug. Um, it it seems to be more prevalent, and it seems to be popping up in the weirdest places. Yeah. I've had two cases in the last eight months for grandparents wanting custody for grandchildren because of the grandchild, 
of, of their daughter or son wow. having such a chronic heroin issue that they can't be a parent. Wow. And it basically go through voluntarily because the kid knows I can't take care of my child, so let's give them to grandparents. It, it just, it, it's amazing. That's unbelievable. And I'm still stuck with, at what point did you think that you could use a drug that is known to be illegal and highly addictive and walk away from it at some point? I, yeah. It's yeah crazy. Yeah, arguably the most addictive drug, I think. Yeah. Right, but I mean, generally, that's not a logical choice. It's no, normally right. there's normally a gateway there. Somehow, I was on pain well, I meds. I got addicted to pain meds. I can't get the pain meds. I'm looking for my fix. I'm looking right. for my fix. Oh, well, heroin! Just go doctor shopping. I mean, instead of the heroin, just go doctor shopping. Yeah, they there's plenty down. of those around. We're not, we're not condoning that. <laughs> <laughs> right, in no way do we recommend that. <laughs> but no, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess most of the stuff that you deal with is probably emotionally driven. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's you have yeah, to be... It absolutely the, is. And even with, like I said, only about 2% of cases go to trial. So you end up with probably the first three or four months of this process when it first starts being highly emotional. Yeah. And I kind of look at it as my job to talk my clients through things, get them calmed down if they're the excited party, and let them kind of lead them to the rationale of this is the way things are going to go. Um, this is the new normal that you're facing. The quicker you get adapted to it uh, and the more strategic you play the game of divorce, because uh, it's kind of like a game. It's a he said, she said type game where if you want certain things, you have to prove your case. If they want certain things, they have to prove their case. So, you know, you end up with a lot of that more specifically with parenting issues than you do with financial issues because financial is black and white. Yeah. Now, Jen mentioned prostitute issues. I, I don't know too many prostitutes. Well, actually, I know no prostitutes. But <laughs> she I'm also said five thousand dollars a month on prostitutes, I'm, which I feel like the, the money trail is going to be pretty easy to pick up. I, I was going to say I'm still trying to. I'm wondering where the money trail is on prostitution. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you um, fill out your from letter, law you know. enforcement days. I didn't see too many of them with, uh, I, I guess, a uh, square reader or anything like that stuck in their phone. I actually had. Uh, Age now, yeah. man. <laughs> I had one case where you could track it, and then he would charge a hotel. Oh. So he would withdraw 300 bucks, charge the hotel, mm -hmm. and it was repetitive. Well, gotcha. withdraw the 300 hotel within 12 hours, <laughs> repeat once a week on Thursdays. Oh I mean... Yeah, that's that's that, that takes that's some, a like, that that's takes a paper some thought, man, to to go through all of that. That's well, but I mean, I even you grab you grab the credit card statements, you yeah. grab the bank statements, mm -hmm. you grab yeah the paper, um, and you know this is a process. Now, obviously, dissolution that's basically contract negotiation. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're you're just agreeing to all the terms. You're sharing all the information, agreeing to the terms. That's easy. Most of what we're talking about is the litigation. We're not going to agree. He's not, he or she is not going to be happy we're filing for divorce. Right. Um, whatever it is, that that's the stuff we're talking about and what you're preparing. If you're all in agreement and you guys recognize that we're just not a good match, um, here's how we're going to divide up everything, which we get a lot of those, um, 
those are pretty simple. You still have to have all the same information, assets, mm-hmm. liabilities, insurance, how you're going to handle the children. All of that's still there. It's just it's done in an agreement. And then you submit the agreement to the court and a judge, either you go down for a hearing or you can pay visiting judges to come to your office. They do the final hearing, make sure everybody's in agreement and sign off on it. Very quick and easy. Whereas the stuff we are primarily talking about today is the litigation. It's the fights. And I've seen people spend eighty dollars to $100,000 fighting Mm -hmm. because they thought... There was money there, or they and, thought... And end up in the same place they would have been if they had listened to their attorney in the first place. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. They had had $80,000 still in their pocket. And one of our constant themes we come up with here is that, you know, if, if you just do it right the first time, you'd save yourself a lot of time and money. Lawyers charge by the hour, and they're going to charge by the hour. If you put them through, you know, 18 months worth of work, they're going to get charged for 18 months worth of work. Correct. That's how this operates, you know? And right. Right. Um, it's kind of like you can pay, you know, two to $500 for a good contract up front. $10,000. Or when your agreement with your business partner goes bad, you can pay tens of thousand dollars to fight over it in the business divorce. Yeah. Same thing with your domestic. Like I said, there's a business to life now. Um, those prenuptial agreements or antenuptial agreements ahead of time, save on the back end. Yeah. Sitting down, talking things out, working out a plan, saves money for everybody involved, saves time, same stress, all of that. Hmm. So when in doubt, try to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so in movies when there's there the guy who... Is that like the, his his soon to be ex wife comes and delivers papers to him, and he's sitting on the papers forever? I don't want to sign them yet. That kind of thing is that a real thing, or is that uh, is that one of those? Because a lot of times, what they portray in movies, it, it sometimes it happens. You end up with somebody who's really passive, but they want the the divorce or dissolution, and they'll have papers prepared, yeah, and drop them off and say review them and sign them, and then yeah. don't do anything with them. But it's that's the rare animal. Okay, um, most of the time, once people make that commitment to actually have papers drawn up or go see an attorney to do something, um, they get it done uh, mm. one way or the other, and it, it's a matter of whether or not. Both parties are going to act like civil human beings and negotiate things out and listen to their counsel and end up in a good spot or, or the best spot possible uh, on the other side of things. Or if they're going to fight over it, burn a lot of assets and still come out where their attorneys said they would in the beginning. <laughs> I, I had, a, I had yeah. a case two years ago. Well, I didn't have the case, actually. I talked them out of it. had a, a mom and dad. Both of them made mid-30s income. Uh, so they didn't have a whole lot of assets, but they had six children. Ooh. And when you start running numbers on child support or you start running numbers on households big enough to house six children for each side, they quickly realized if we get divorced, we don't try to work this out. Because my first question to everybody is, have you tried counseling? You know, what's the main issues with the marriage? Right. Have you tried any type of counseling? You know, What's going on that this thing is broken? Right. And is there any repair here? Because my interest is not, uh, you know, oh, you want a divorce? That's you know, a case for me. Yay. Yeah. And my, my <laughs> first instinct is to say, is it preservable? Can you fix what's broke? Yeah. And in this case, they had six children. They both made, you know, okay money, but it wasn't enough to pull off a household with six kids in it independently. Sure. 
So they were looking at both of them being in dire straits if they got divorced. Neither one of them could financially carry the load uh, of supporting a household that was capable of housing their children because their children were I think, a 10-year span between the oldest and the youngest. So wow. you had certain bedroom requirements yeah. uh, that the kids insisted on or would insist on, not so much you know the parents or the law. Sure. And they realized, we can't do this. And it was they actually had, cheaper for them to stay, stay married. <laughs> well, the thing is, they wow. hadn't gone to counseling. They hadn't yeah. really worked on the base issues. And a lot of it was, most of these things are communication issues. Yeah. If you're going to go out and do this, which is not necessarily bad, but whatever that is, then you need to talk about doing that. If you're going to go to the game with your buddies or something, you do it all the time, and that's a point of contention with your wife, talk to your wife about it. Yeah. Likewise, if you're going to go shopping with the girls and spend a bunch of money, Talk to your spouse about it. Get these things, you know, figure out some common ground there instead of just doing it and burning up the marriage. Yeah. So in this particular case, they went to counseling for about six sessions and ended up staying together. Hmm. I haven't heard from them since. <laughs> Which that's is good. in this case is that's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Yeah, that's the best possible outcome. Right, because both kids, regardless of what other people in society think both kids need both parents and uh, the kids need both parents in the house. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to be able to wake up and go to bed with mom and dad in the house. Yeah. As long as it's a functioning unit. Uh, and it's the parent's job to make that unit function, quite frankly. Mm. Wow. Well, I can't help but notice you've got a wedding ring on. Yes. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, I actually married my third grade girlfriend. Oh, wow. So, you know, Aww. That's, that's really nice. That's a long drawn out story there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trade her for the world. She is the complete opposite of me. Okay. Um, In every way. She, she is. Love uh, she is Miss Super Organized, Miss Squared Away on every asset, uh, everything that we have going, she's in charge of as far as organization goes. And I am kind of the, yeah, what are we doing today kind of thing, laid back, rather mild-mannered yeah. person. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I kind of look, it gets on my nerves sometimes, but it's very complimentary to what I need Yeah. as far as relationships go. I need somebody to kick me in their ear and every once in a while say, did you get the trash taken out? Did you get this done, this done, this done? She does that. She's more than happy to do that. <laughs> and you've been married, what, 10 years? Uh, I've been years. married, let's see, my son is... 13 going on 14, so about 15. Wow. Well, I'm awesome. a little behind the times. <laughs> <laughs> Math, not my strong suit. <laughs> so an expert in many ways. There you go. Perfect. I guess I guess so. <laughs> Although I will say I think I've learned more. I was, I was in law enforcement before I, I married her. I think I um, learned more in law enforcement about dealing with people and yeah. taking care of the emotional side of people. More than anywhere else. Now, were you were you uh, just a patrol officer, or I, I was in I was sheriff's department down in North Carolina. Okay, all right. Um, did How that long did you do that? Uh, about seven eight years. Wow. Um, so what we're saying is, Allie's old. <laughs> I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> what just made you get kidding. out of that? Um, that's another complicated issue. <laughs> There's a story I, there. I can too. go back and do that. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, nothing like that, but they're just more kids and family and stuff. I was always the idiot that never had to be under the influence of anything to go do the crazy stuff. Mm. Uh, so I put myself, when I was in law enforcement, uh, was on the response team, 
I was the one person who would do the nut job thing that most people would say, yeah, I don't really want to do that. You were the loose cannon on the police force. Not loose cannon because... <laughs> I, he was the one who would go in first and be the one shot at first I, and I was always I was always the first man in. Okay. Typically. I was always the first person to do whatever it was that needed to be done. Um, but at the same time, we're going to get into law enforcement stuff, I was always the person who tried to do things by the book. Um, I, I wasn't, you have a lot of issues with law enforcement today that deal with training or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, I was always kind of back to Mr. Calm, cool, collected. I tried to be that then too. Okay. Um, use your brain rather than your brawn in a lot of cases and try to resolve the issue as peacefully and quiet as possible. If you couldn't, Hey, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good for right. you. Well, if, if people want to be able to find you somewhere, do you tweet? Are you on Facebook? Anything like that? Routelaw.com. R O U T T E law.com. That's how you, there's a link for Allie on there. Mm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to Ben's lawyer joke of the week. But first, we have some housekeeping to take care of. Um, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook. That's kind of our primary landing page where you can comment, get news, or even suggest topics for future episodes, ask questions. We'll try to address them on the show. If you are already following us, thank you. We love you. Uh, you can also follow Boxland Media on Facebook as well. Uh, we do lots of things up to and including putting out the fine print with Attorney Jen Route every week. And if you're a Twitter user, I am at the Almighty Ben on Twitter. Jen is not on Twitter, and she probably won't ever be, so maybe avoid looking for her there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, It's a little above me. <laughs> are we still stuck at 140 characters on Twitter? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. We hope you come back. And if you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes out of your busy day. Head on over to iTunes and rate and review us. It really helps us out a lot with our visibility on the world's largest podcast repository. And finally, we would like to thank all of our listeners. It is because of you that our little podcast even exists if you like what you hear please hit the subscribe button and if you really like what you hear remember sharing is caring and uh jen would you like to hear the lawyer joke of the week absolutely all right well this week uh i found one that uh, I, I that made me happy uh, why <laughs> oh, no. don't lawyers go to the beach i don't know because cats keep trying to bury them oh <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, until next week, I'm Ben Needenthal. And I'm Attorney General saying ignorance of the law excuses no man from following it. There you go. We'll see you next week, folks. This program is meant to be informative in nature and does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously, could the main character in Suits actually exist in real life? Boxland Media. Think big.